You're listening to the First Students Podcast, the podcast from the student ministry of First Baptist Church in Fort Smith, Arkansas. And we're part of a week that is going to have three podcasts by the end Welcome of back, sports fans. Can we talk sports? No. Man. Yeah, I guess we could. The Cowboys are terrible. The Hogs are terrible. Wrong on one of those counts, because the Cowboys are 2-0. and We undefeated. We're going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> no. I think we'll <laughs> get there, though. If Dez and Rome will come back at the now, that's the wrong place for this. Um, another trivial thing. They're not going to make tell. it to the Super Bowl. <sighs> they might go to the playoffs, but Romo can't win a game in the playoffs. They so. won one last year. Yeah, it's a wild card game. Yeah. It doesn't count. Yeah, it does. A playoff it's game a is a playoff card game. game. It wasn't to be the wild card. No, it wasn't a wild card game because they won the NFC East. They beat the wild card. They beat the Lions. It's not a wild card. No, we're not having. Did they get beat by a wild card? No, they got beat by Green Bay, who was Mm. not a wild card, who shouldn't have beat them because that was a catch. It was a catch. Lies. No, not lies. That's just okay. We're gonna get away from this anyway. uh, Tell the listeners what new member of the family is coming to your house. We're getting a doggy. Really? Guess what his name is. I already know. I don't. The listeners can guess on their own. I'm not. I'm not guessing because I know what it is. Our dog's name's Hunter. Ironically, the dog is four years old, and we didn't know what the dog's name was before saying we would get the dog. And Hunter's having Hunter the person is having issues with Hunter the dog. No, I'm having issues with the way Daniel the person is treating Hunter the person. Here, Hunter. Because of the dog. Here, Hunter. Is, yeah. What's up? Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm a dog. It's a little pitchy, bro. Um. Anyways, yeah, so we're getting a dog. He's four-year-old. Is there any chance of changing the dog's name? No, he's Maybe. four years old. He's had the same name for four years. I mean, if he's smart, he can be like changing name. Layton's name. No, it's okay. Like, Layton could learn. I'm pretty Layton. sure it'd be like changing hey, Layton's, Layton's name. Layton's a smart kid. He could deal with it. He could do it. It'd be weird for Dog's a Dog's keeping its name. Oh, man. Sorry. I don't like this. Listen. I can't change it. Hey, it's, can. It's a dog. Yeah. You just say, hey, dog, you're not, you're, just call him dog. No. Yeah. Or, or, hey. Little pitchy dog. Yeah. <laughs> just, just call him dog. We're calling him Hunter. <sighs> okay. I now live in a world where a dog is named after me. Or you're named after the dog? No, because he's four. Um, you could have been named after a dog. No. You don't know that. I'm, man, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess it could have been an option. They could have been like, yeah, you know. Fun, fun little fact, my name was going to be Orin. I have a good friend that's name's Orin. Yeah. His last name's Petrie. Nothing against the name Warren. I'm just kind of, I'm kind of glad that that we went a different direction. Would have been cool if your name was Thorin. That would have been sweet. Oakenshield. Yeah. What an awesome yeah. middle name would that be? Oakenshield. Thorin Oakenshield. That's what I wanted to name Sutton. But I Megan remember that. Let us. I remember that. I was a little upset. A little upset. I pushed for a lot of crazy names. 
It would have still gone in line with the alphabetized. I know that's what was cool about it. Well, no, yeah, because it would have ended with a an N sound. Yeah, Thorn, Thorn, Mm -hmm. Oakenshield, Stewart. Or was there any Thor was thrown out, but wasn't accepted because it didn't end in N. That's Um, why I was going for Thorin. I liked Aragorn. Yeah, I wasn't big on that one. Yeah, Batman. Yeah. That could have been cool. Yeah. Anyways, moving on to our study. Who are we reaching? <laughs> Not Thor and Oakenshield. Yeah. Because he's fictional. Yeah. Um, okay, so we'll just go ahead and jump in. What, what are some of the different labels that we give to people that aren't Christians? I mean, think, of, think of our church Sinners. terms. Uh, I mean, like we call the lost. Um, Gentiles. Unbelievers. <laughs> pagans. We don't call them Gentiles. Um, atheists, agnostics, the lost, seekers. Yeah. Um, all those things. Applicable names. Yeah. And so, I mean, um, as in what we call them. How do you think, t- talk a little bit about how you think this affects how we view, um, how we view the lost. Um,. I think we view them in demeaning terms in light of that because we're not looking at our own nature and our own state when we come into that realm and therefore we're not we're not really um we're not really interacting with where we've come from. And so therefore it puts us almost like we're better than you because you're lost or we're better than you because um you don't have the same understanding as we do. When in all actuality, a lot of times we say that we're something and our lives don't reflect it either. So are we really something that we say we are if our lives don't don't reflect such? So then you have to look at the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22 and say, um, okay, one, if I've been transformed in Christ, these are the indicators of such. And then two, how who am I to say anything against such person when we come into that situation or scenario because ultimately then it comes down to um i'm better than you you don't fit on the same platform as me you don't um you don't fit the same criteria therefore you're less of a person because of such when we start tagging those names to it and i'm guilty of that i'm guilty of doing that i'm guilty of tagging those names to people just flippantly and not looking at my current state because I'm still a sinner in need of a savior. I'm still, um, still, if I'm not leaning back on the gospel and let the gospel trans transform my life daily, I'm still one of those people. Yeah. And I think it's the idea that anytime that you label something that is not technically how the text labels the individual. So what we call lost are, are, talked about as people that are dead in their sins in the text. So, so why do we find it difficult to, to talk about people the way that the Bible describes them and instead thinks of unbelievers or atheists that, that kind of focus on the things that if they could change or if they just made a different decision would alter the way that we view them. So, so we, if they're dead, that means that they are in need of life. Right. If they're atheists, they're in need of a different worldview. Right. Um, which can build us up because then, 
our worldview is the superior worldview. And if our worldview is better and yours is not, then that lets me have a little bit of a superiority the way that I talk to you and the way that we interact. Right. Why is it difficult to speak of them as the text speaks of them? Um, that's a really good question because when we come into this uh, mindset of I'm better than you almost because of Jesus, mm-hmm. it goes in complete opposition to who Jesus was in the first place. Yeah, and I think it's because they don't they don't come at it from Jesus. They come at it from disbelief. I'm right. Yeah, like your my thing is right. Your thing is wrong. Therefore, and that, and that shows a little bit of our pride of how we think we come to conversion, that it's like this thing that we thought through and then made this right. educated decision of, I think the best path for me and for my family and for all of it is going to be this. Therefore, all others are less important because it was this thing that less I arrived at. wrong. Yeah. And because and it's not viewed in the very strict terms of death to life. And unless you are brought to life, you can't see. It's, it's going back to that idea of, have you seen Jesus? So whenever you're talking to people that haven't seen Jesus and you're bragging about the fact that you have in a way that makes it sound as though you were the one that found him, he didn't find you. It's very putting off. I mean, and it's it puts us in a state, in a realm that, you know, it, it's just, it's almost non-conducive for a conversation. First, you know, we've talked about this in other times, just that what, what are conducive ways to approach a conversation about who we're reaching and, and what our purpose is. And if it's not from our perspective and how we've been transformed, then it's, and it's all about you, 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 then it, it's hard to translate that in a conversation when we're not grasping and understanding that we need to preach our, ourselves the gospel on a daily basis. We need to be encountering the gospel on a daily basis. We need to be understanding our sinful state on a daily basis and understanding that why are we reaching these people? Who are we reaching? Is because what God's done in our own lives. Absolutely. And and so whenever we think um, about people that have not yet seen the grace of, of Christ, how can we help ourselves to see unbelievers through God's eyes? Um, you know, when we think about how we can help ourselves see unbelievers through God's eyes, I think, um, you, you got to ask for God to reveal that to you. And he, I think he has in scripture. I, I think he has in, in the way that he's illumined our path to, um, all of us being unrighteous. I mean, you know, uh, uh, Psalms 143, 1 and 2 directly depicts that um, the psalmist is so distraught in his current state that he is unworthy, that he is unrighteous, and that all are unrighteous in the sight of God it, because we're sinful and we're in need of this. And so if that's not impacting um, how we see others, if if scripture and truth that's been revealed to us is not impacting, if our state that we were in before being transformed in Christ and that constant transformation isn't reflected in how we're seeing unbelievers, then we're always going to have a skewed perspective and we're always going to have this holier than thou, I'm better than you perspective. And that's got to be transformed in the same aspect of our lives being transformed in Christ. Yeah. 
and 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 I think whenever we talk about the way that that our our interactions with with non-believers are um a lot of the times I think Christians can be condescending um and then with that kind of shows an apathy about the state of lostness um I think that the foundation of that is is having the same burdens that the father has so if the father is burdened for the lostness of his children and bringing them back to himself, then his people should have that same kind of uh, of a burden. And I was hearing Danny Aiken, the, the president of Southeastern, talk about this um, as I was driving, and it kind of just hit me that for the first time in a while, I was just kind of sitting under the weight of lostness, even in Fort Smith. And I was just like, probably 80% of these hundreds and hundreds of cars that I'm around are people that are, are dead in their sins. And letting that kind of, there's there's a sadness that is good in these kind of situations where you sit under the weight of the current state of your community um, and of the world and then are pressed into what our mission is in the, in the great commission to, to make disciples of, of all nations. Um, but, but why do, why do you think that we can be condescending in, in our conversations? Um, I think it's easy for us to, look at our and, and it may not even be a full understanding of scripture stuff but the m- minimal understanding of what we have we almost look at it as well um i'm just i'm in a different place than you and and god's god's moving in my life and and we just shake our heads at them we shake our heads at the decisions that they're making and we neglect to look at the aspect of, one, have they heard the gospel? And two, what is their overall understanding of what the gospel does to our lives and what Christ does to our lives, what the Holy Spirit does to our lives when he's truly illumined our path? And But that also it points back to the, our last question. It, it's an improper understanding of what Scripture says for our hearts and our lives. It's an it's a biblical illiteracy. And so our lives don't reflect what we don't know. Yeah. And and I think it's, from my observations, I think it's all kind of steeped in legalism. Uh, and, I would agree with that. And so as, as knowledge puffs up and you evaluate the culture around you, you get very self-righteous very quickly. And, and you start to, you start to lose sight of the fact that sinners are going to sin a lot and it's not outside of their nature to do that. And so there, there can't be the surprise whenever we see the whole idea of are our cultures being lost? America's going down all, all those kind of things. It, yes, but it's not something that should be surprising because it's the state of man apart from Christ. And so then not only you can't expect people to act better to, to try to attain some level of holiness because that shows you don't understand the gospel and don't understand holiness. And, and I think a lot of it is we, we point to people and, and ask those kind of, how can they live like that? How can they do that? We shake our heads at them. And, and then we don't do anything about it beyond just complaining on Facebook. Right. And, and that shows that lack of a true burden for the souls of people. Um, that, that's really telling on, on where our heart is on the issue. Um, what do you think happens when a church starts to inhabit these traits? Um, I, there's two sides of that. And, um, one, we can be condescending. 
or two, we can be apathetic. So if we're condescending, then all of our all of our sermons and everything that we do will talk about non Christians and not about ourselves in Christ. They won't talk about what our lives look like, what we're supposed to be uh, living for, what has transformed us, what shapes us, what molds us, what moves us, and that's living as Christ in us and through us. Or, or talking to, to non-believers in an unloving kind of fashion. Right, right. Like just very, yeah, just very obtuse towards them. And then the other side, and being apathetic to it, is that we're not building up and growing disciples in Christ that have a proper understanding. And so thus, we're ultimately fueling the fire for the condescending side of it because we're not prepping, we're not equipping, we're not, we're not sending out in the truth and the love of the gospel because we haven't truly um, trained up and given a direction of what our lives look like, not only for us, but for un- unbelievers. So if we're trained and we're equipped, then we're ultimately we want to train and equip those that are lost and... That's where we see a, a stark disconnect. Either side of that pendulum is a terrible place to be. Yeah, that's a that's a good warning um, for all of us to evaluate in in our own community. Um, and so I, I think whenever we look at what is the solution for these attitudes, there there are four things um, that that are pretty readily clear. Uh, obviously, we got to repent. This is something that we got to. You you first have to see it as sin. Until you see something as sinful, you're not going to be driven towards repentance. Um, we've got to ask God to, to help individuals and us as a church to see the loss through his eyes with his compassion um, and for him to renew our passion for reaching any that we may. Um, and, and, and going back for those that we might have given up on in the past. And then we, we've got to really look at our church's evangelistic culture um, j- just as, as, a, as a health issue. And, and seeing, okay, how are we doing? Going back to that, that week one kind of a evaluation yeah. that's got to be done consistently. Yeah, and, and if we're not going through these processes, one, repentance and forgiveness, asking God for those things, be, turning away from your sin before the Father and asking forgiveness. For, if we're not doing that just in general, not even in this perspective, but in general for the sin in our lives, then all these things are going to fall out of line. Because then we don't have a proper perspective of the Father and what He's done for us through the Son. And so I think that's huge. And so as you move through these things, that repentance and and asking God for forgiveness, and we move on to, you know, just our view of unbelievers and that we see them through God's eyes, I think all these things are moving towards not our passion, not our perspective, but what God's passion is, what God's perspective is, what God's will is for our life. And so then when we get into that, then we have a proper understanding of, oh, it's not about me. Yeah. Ha, 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 ha. That was funny. <laughs> yeah, sadly funny. Um, <laughs> so, so I think in in seeking to see the lost as the father sees the lost, it's it's best to look at how does the son see the lost. And and in Matthew, um, he, he sees the crowds are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And I think all three of those things are ways to view the lost in a way that will drive us towards compassion rather than a judgmental self-righteousness. So so they're harassed by the false teaching from a world that, that makes empty promises um, that can't fulfill the end of, of their deal. 
that's Russell Moore's big thing on the sexual revolution and all the things that we've seen happen there is that we are going to have to be ready to take in the refugees from the sexual revolution when they find out it can't give what it promised. Right. It can't give identity. It can't give happiness. It can't give fulfillment. And it can't give true intimacy. Yeah, and, and that that goes right back to our last podcast. It goes right back to this last week's study and, and the community – uh, that we are in Christ, what the church is supposed to look like. Yeah. If the, if we don't have what they're looking for in that community that is supposed to be the body of Christ, then they're gonna they're gonna look for it in other areas. That's Absolutely. what we that's what we see all around us. That's what Rosario Butterfield directly puts it to. Yeah. And so, I mean, when we see these these things where Jesus says, "Okay, the, I see them as as sheep in need of a a shepherd," you know, I constantly say that you know we be, we may be the only Christ that someone sees well if we don't have a proper understanding and we don't and we don't stand in within these things that we're talking about earlier repentance asking god for forgiveness seeing through his eyes understanding where unbelievers are and understanding where our state was before then they're not going to see him they're not going to experience him and and that's one of the things that i remember talking to john schaffner about um i need to clarify not through us at least yeah yeah um one of the things that I talked to John Schaffner about is this idea of the connection between evangelism and community. Um, if people are getting saved, great, but what are they coming into? Right. And and what, are, what community are they joining? And if there's nothing there, then there's a huge blind spot in the effectiveness of making disciples. Because then we're just getting a lot of converts without actually making disciples, which is is not just something that's that's not best but it's it's a sinful yeah kind of practice to have within the life of a church. Well and and you know the 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 call of our lives is to make disciples. I mean if we're if we're seeing lives change but we're not even seeing disciples made then we have a vast disconnect and an understanding of what God's will and desire is as he moves and works works out in people's lives. You know, we had one of our students say that the other day. They were going back and forth with their buddy, and this, this is a great conversation for them to have. We had a bunch of salvations at, at church camp. We, we did this, we did that, and and was, our student was like, well, we're pumping out disciples. Yeah. And that's a, I mean, that's a good understanding to have in our lives that, yeah, it's great to have all these converts. It's great to have these things, but if we're not equipping them, with the truth that is the gospel, that is God's word, then it means absolutely nothing. They're going to be like the the parable of the sower, the one that heard the truth and responded to it and, and sprouted up, but then were choked out by the world or were scorched by what was going on around them. There's no true grasp of the gospel. Yeah, and that's when, when Spurgeon, who saw thousands and thousands come come down in, in repentance and faith during his time at Metropolitan, um, people people would ask him those kind of questions of you know, how, how how do you feel about you know these numbers and your success and all these kind of stuff and he would always respond in a in a way such as um you know praise god that he has adopted more people into his, his kingdom and that more people are experiencing death to life but as to the success of my ministry um when i'm dead and gone find them 50 years later and see where they are and then you can write about my success wow that's um, a big deal. And, yeah. and, you know, there's another account where Spurgeon's uh, out in the community and a drunkard walks up to him. And he goes, uh, Mr. Spurgeon, I'm one of your converts. 
And he goes, blessed be to you, but you're not one of God's converts. Yeah. Because there's no transformation. There's no giving up of this world. And so we have to have a proper understanding of what discipleship is, what having a good, clear, concise message is. I mean, when we look at this, harassed, helpless, sheep without a shepherd. Can you see how this is a good description for your friends and neighbors who are not Christians? They are harassed by false teaching from the world and empty promises. They are helpless because they look for answers to things and people that are broken. And and you, you look at the sheep without a shepherd because they have no one to take care of them or to point them to the hope and direction they need. And so if we're not equipped within that, if we're not ready to take on the task, then we need to reflect back on our lives, that repentance and forgiveness in God. Absolutely. Um I think I think one of the other temptations that that can come with whenever we're looking at engaging lostness is this idea that someone is is too far gone. And I think a lot of us are going to affirm theologically that's absolutely untrue, but in practice we we kind of almost as um and even as ministers start to look at things as okay, like what's going to be the most efficient use of this? This person is right. going to take a lot more time and energy to get anywhere with, whereas person over here is they're ready to go. They're ready to, you know, they're asking questions. They're right. inquisitive. You know, you can kind of feel the spirit working, and soon there's going to be something. But in, in a situation that, that you kind of look at and you're like, man, this is going to be not months but years of work. Right. Um, and you kind of tend to put them on the back burner in your mind of, of the importance of, of engaging them with the gospel. Right. And, and you know, that comes out. That comes out of not, once again, not looking at Scripture and the people that God used all throughout, Old Testament, New Testament. Dude, guys had issues. They had issues, yeah. and God used them, and God God infiltrated their lives, changed their perspective, and set them on a path to his glorification, and boom, world changers. Yeah, and, and I think we've talked about this before, but but that idea of of what would happen um, if if our church tried to hire on um, some of the biblical f- figures as, yeah. as staff members, like like thirty years from now, Ford's gone and doing something else, and then Paul pops up, and we're in, we're interviewing and we're going through. You know, our last guy was really really good, um, but but there's there's this blaring part on your resume where um, you know our last guy really didn't have a trouble with with murder. You you seem to have a little. Are, are you still struggling with that? Is that something still fighting, walking in victory in that? Yeah. Are you still kind of you know? Do do we need to get you a partner for accountability in this area? Yeah. Or? We'd be like, this guy didn't pass a background yeah, it's check, like, dude. You can't get in the doors. <laughs> like you 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 can't do that. I mean, with David, you're just gonna Solomon. You're, yeah. Noah, Moses. David um, was a murderer and an adulterer. Yeah. I he, mean, Peter was just dumb like a lot of the time. <laughs> And just stuff that you would be like, people want to have the patience for. It'd be like, no, you can't. You just actively preached a sermon denying Jesus. You can't. You can't. You're voted out right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's so this kind of example after example after example that we're all kind of dumb. Yeah, and that no doubt, no matter how great we think that we are, it's still got to come down to just are we being faithful and are we trusting in the one that can sustain our stupidity. Right. Um, that's one of my favorite things that I've ever seen Spurgeon write that he never published. It was it was something that he wrote in his prayer journal. 
um, that was found after after his death. And and there were a lot of times where his his journal entries would end with "Lord help my stupid soul" or yeah. "Lord revive my stupid soul," and he would constantly refer um, to his kind of state and in, in this kind of stupidity that needed the help um, entirely of of Christ for him to do much of anything. Yeah, and so we come to this this standard in which we we instead of viewing others as ourselves and loving others as ourselves we we get so caught up in well they're lost or well they're this well they're that but they're sheep in need of a shepherd sheep are dumb sheep sheep have no bearing on protecting themselves I mean, you guys have all seen the faint and go YouTube videos. Something claps and they fall over. I mean, yeah. I mean, they're easy to kill. They have no defense mechanism, so they need a shepherd to protect them, to guide them, to help them along the path. And in the context of our lives, Second Peter says, or Second uh, Peter or First Peter? Is it First Peter two nine? Talks about our, you know, now we've become in light of the great high priest, we be, uh, we become yeah. priests. And so our lives are to reflect him. Our lives are to um, chase after him. Our lives are to, and I'm talking about our lives chasing after him, our lives being poured into by his word, our lives being in submission under who he is and what he's accomplished. And people should be able to hear that, to see that, to experience him through us. And if we're looking at him at a skewed perspective, then that's not going to happen. Yeah. Not going to happen through us. That's true, and it's going to take a lot of um, intentionality. Going back to even things that we talked about in the realm of of community. Um, well, we'll end it with this um, another Spurgeon quote um, that was actually given at the at the end of this. Um, God save us from living in comfort while sinners are sinking to hell. Wow, wow, powerful stuff. Um, Get outside your box. Yeah. Side note, turns out we did not do the Bible study for, for this particular session. No, so if you haven't done your notes for what you're going to be talking about... You basically have a cheat sheet. No kidding. No kidding. Full on. We're just trying to help you out. Yeah. Just trying to help a brother out. Our class might just go through the Bible study this week. Um, yeah, there you go. That's good stuff. I started looking through it. I was like, oh man, that's what we're going to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, oh well. Yeah, it's all good. That's real good. It's pointing to... Same what we stuff. need to be talking about yeah awesome alright see you guys next time word word